They start out with that great process and then it goes a year in and they're like, oh, you've only assessed 10% of our vendors. So you opened up a can of worms AI. <laughs> that's all, it. that's all it. we're excited yeah, about right it. now. Yeah. What would you say is the one thing that you see that most cybersecurity practitioners just don't? Any sort of friction in the borrowing process, you like change an image or ask them to configure a longer password, the company loses millions of dollars mm -hmm. immediately. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We are at RSA 2023, Stronger Together, mm -hmm. and we're stronger with two amazing guests. We have Paul right. Valente, CEO of Viso Trust, and also Brian Wong, security analyst at Headspace. I'm really excited to get to this conversation. I want to yeah. talk about third-party risk a little <laughs> bit, SaaS adoption. It's really big at RSA. Yep. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Delighted to be here. Absolutely. We got to kick it off right into it because I think third party risk is one of the most important things that we're dealing with today. Seems like every other month there's some type of big situation that we're dealing with. Where would you say we are currently when it comes to dealing with third party risk? Let's start with you, Paul. Yeah, yeah. We're really at a, in a difficult position because you know, companies have more and more technologies to take advantage of. They have to take advantage of those to stay innovative and stay competitive. That's led to companies having nearly 100% of their population of their technology being owned by third parties, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's brought third-party risk at the forefront to now being the single largest cause of breach. So mm -hmm. it's a huge problem, you know, mostly unsolved. There's us, you know, we're yeah. here to solve it. <laughs> I hear that. And then Brian, I know you deal with third parties all the time, right? So what is your take on the situation as it stands today? Uh, so Headspace is a SaaS first company, right? Mm -hmm. So we rely heavily on the cloud. We manage over 500 plus applications. So it, it, it's hard to manage everything, you know, just from, from my standpoint is, is the person managing it for the company. You know, we need tools, we need ways to automate and ways to make it better for everyone. So Paul, you decided to jump in the deep end. You heard about this challenge. You decided to create a company. I got two things I'm curious about. One, what is the name of Viso Trust? Like what's behind that name? And also what was that spark that pushed you to start the company? Yeah, yeah. So the name Viso, the, the root, uh, Viso Latin root to see, there's mm. the concept of transparency through mm. trust, right? Or, or trust through transparency rather. So when you're working with third parties, one of the challenges is the abstraction and not really understanding from the inside what they do from a security standpoint. Mm -hmm. right? And we're focused on providing that trust. But in terms of how we started, so prior to founding Vice Trust, I'm a longtime chief information security officer and, and security professional. So as the CISO at Restoration Hardware, the furniture retailer you all may have heard of, mm -hmm. also Lending Club in yep. the financial services space and ASAP in the AI space, along with a number of other companies. And all those companies were growing really, really rapidly. Right? We needed to innovate, we needed to bring on third-party technologies in order to satisfy critical business initiatives. We also were worried about risk, right? Some of them were headed, two of them were headed for IPO. We needed to make sure we didn't have a breach in that time. We were also heavily regulated in, in the financial services companies. And time and again, we set up processes that we thought were lightweight to assess third parties, uh, typically using questionnaires that turned out to be labor-intensive and slow, mm -hmm. right? 
that got us in the situation where you know we were branded by our business owners as the Department of Slow or yep. Yep. Uh, accused of killing innovation by executives, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and really at the same time failing to control risk, failing to get good intelligence on our third parties, failing to get complete visibility in. And really to solve that problem using AI is why my co-founder, Rush Sherman, and I built by Suppressed. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you think about when you're bringing on a third party into your organization, right? Because to his point, there are a lot of folks out there that used to have these very cumbersome processes yep. for bringing folks on. You had to check all the boxes and it does slow down operations. But what are you doing different to bring folks on in a way that makes sense, but also doesn't bring on additional risk to the business? We kind of go through a process. We work um, on the security side, we work very closely with the procurement and the legal teams. Mm -hmm. um, so that way you're in the forefront. So when we hear about a new procurement and a new software that's coming our way, we can ask the questions up front. Um, we can ask them, you know, what is the business purpose? You know, what kind of data do they have access? You know, we deal with heads, uh, PHI data, healthcare mm -hmm. data, right? right? So there's always a concern there of, of our member data getting leaked. So we got to make sure we have the right legal documents executed. Um, and then security control that go along with all of that. Paul, take us through a success story because I know there's a lot of horror stories out there with all the third party stuff that's happened over the last couple of years, but take us through a success story of someone being prepared when it came to having a third party app that was either a suspect or maybe even a dependency that had an issue with it. Tell us something about that. Yeah, yeah, so lots of, you know, lots of great success stories. One that stands out for me is the, the story of cruise automation which, um, you know, the self-driving car company, yep. right? As mm -hmm. you can imagine, with self-driving cars, they're very, very concerned about security, right? Mm -hmm. Security for them could mean lives lost. So uh, they're also a, a very innovative technology company, right? They need to take advantage of third parties. Um, and so they set up a program that they thought was gonna be effective. Uh, and they ended up actually cycling through three different teams and four different tools mm. because their process was so dysfunctional um, that they were eventually given a vote of no confidence and bypassed by the procurement team. Wow. Right? That's when they came to us. Um, we were very early at that point. They were one of our first customers and they took a bet on us, right? To their surprise, really, uh, in the first uh, couple months of doing business with us, they were able to eliminate their entire vendor backlog, mm. um, you know, gain complete visibility into their population take the time down to you know assess by 90% in terms of the work factor and you know what's really exciting to me as a founder is that not only were we able to for them allow them to innovate and accelerate business while controlling risk but they were transformed you know from the department of no into really the model for innovation and automation to which other teams aspire. They had other teams saying, wow, you guys have really upped your game, right? right. We, better, we better get on it, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's just amazing. As a security professional myself, having had those experiences and had those problems, that's the difference you know, that as a security and tech professional way back when, I'd wish I'd had, right? Mm -hmm. So right. That, that means a lot to me and my co-founder. Me and Chris, we've worked together a lot in the past and it would always feel like the, the day before Christmas, before you hear like the procurement team is almost done, all yes. the checks are almost ready. You know, I'm sure like you get to see people see light up when you bring your product and your, your service to them. But what's that first step that organizations have to take in order to reap that benefit? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's, it's actually knowing that there is a better way, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of companies out there that think, okay, 
Um, you know, I've created this great process probably based on some sort of questionnaire and they learn the hard way. You know, they, they start out with that great process and then it goes a year in and they're like, oh, you've only assessed 10% of our vendors. This isn't really working that well, right? But it takes, a lot of times takes that learning curve. And so and then they come to us and they say, we need a system somewhere that we can put our questionnaire, mm -hmm. right? But our platform works very differently, right? It completely eliminates the need for any of that sort of questionnaire infrastructure, allows you to assess companies based on artifacts of the security program that already exist. So instead of them having to triage and you know, take weeks or months to respond to questionnaires, they can just right. upload artifacts in five minutes, you know, mm. right? And, and so there's a paradigm shift there and they need to understand that there is a better way mm -hmm. um, and, that, uh, and that AI and new technologies like that can really help them and automate. So that's kind of the, I think the biggest crux, you know, understanding, wait, maybe I don't need that questionnaire. Maybe there is a different way to do this. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when folks build a company, it's because they see something that not a lot of other people see. What would you say is the one thing that you see that most cybersecurity practitioners just don't see yet? You know, I spent a lot of time in financial services, particularly in, in lending. Mm -hmm. One of the things, you know, as a CISO, you're trying to figure out how to secure those interactions, right? Make sure that borrowers aren't at risk, make sure the company is not at risk. And one of the things I learned was that any sort of friction in the borrowing process, like borrowers dealing with an app, you like change an image or ask them to configure a longer password, the company loses millions of dollars like mm -hmm. immediately because people drop off from that friction. And it's really very similar in third-party security. Companies today, um, you know, like Headspace and other companies need to assess so many third parties that if the third parties aren't responsive, mm -hmm. right, or, um, you know, they won't, they won't play ball, you end up with large gaps in your, in your security visibility. And mm -hmm. And you can even end up in a situation, you know, where you're not able to make good decisions because your buyers are going to keep going, right? They're, they're going to select the solutions. And if you're too late, you can't affect that decision. And so focusing on removing the, the friction from the vendor side mm -hmm. um, while giving, uh, you know, folks like Brian, the information that they need to make good decisions right. um, is, is really a, a, key, uh, a key learning for us that we applied that um, no other company has. Um, also focusing on artifacts to do that using AI is also unique as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, at least for me, in our procurement process, we started including more, um, we sent out what's called like a memo and we just let them know like, hey, we use third part, uh, VisoTrust, a third party to do our auditing of our security assessments. So just letting them know that you know, we use a third party and that, you know, it's very straightforward. You know, we send a link out to their security contact or a compliance contact. They can upload um, their artifacts once they receive our e the email from Visotrust. You know, it's a very straightforward platform, right? So it's, we, I haven't had a lot of questions about like, um, you know, what's it about? Like a few have asked, right? right? But nine times out of 10, like the, the vendors are like, sure, no problem. Here's our contact. Send them the Visotrust onboarding notification, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then we'll get started with the security, the security review. So it's just been very seamless for us. So you opened up a can of worms AI. <laughs> that's I all, that's I all we're excited yes. about yeah. right now. Yes. Chris and I are personally obsessed with ChatGPT. Yeah. I knew you take the bait there. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I would take it. You said it nice and slow too. AI. AI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I would love to hear a little bit about your AI. Like what is that about and what mm -hmm. goes into it? What makes it special? Yeah, so we call it artifact intelligence. It's based on what we call Vice Oracle, which is our overall approach to AI, which is a, a suite of tools. But, mm -hmm. but it's essentially focused on the automated interpretation of security-related language. 
right? So we use a, a supervised expert in the loop mm -hmm. kind of approach to AI where we're able to ingest artifacts um, really from a variety of different sources, but uh, really collecting information from third parties primarily on you know, whatever they have that may document or justify their security program. Mm -hmm. And in an automated way, we, uh, you know, we leverage over 25 security frameworks. We use uh, document heuristics and natural language processing to extract any uh, control information mm -hmm. and use that to populate a, a standards-based risk assessment that um, you know, tells our customers what they need to know to make qualified risk decisions. We also have another two other additional AI-based features, um, which you know folks are, have been coming to our booth in droves to see because they're new that we announced in the context <laughs> yeah. of RSA. But one is intelligent questionnaire response, which actually works on the trust side, where folks um, that are you know perhaps working at vendor organizations that are being assessed by by customers that are not on our platform mm -hmm. yet, um, <laughs> they uh, they essentially can take in you know bespoke questionnaires mm -hmm. upload them uh to our system and then download them populated essentially mm -hmm. right so that's something that's very exciting for us um, that uses um, conversational ai and then we also use ai to mine artifacts that i mentioned before as well as public sources for what we call nth party relationships so folks everybody's concerned about their third parties but those third parties have third parties right mm -hmm. right fourth parties, fifth parties, sixth parties, mm -hmm. we call those nth parties. Yeah. And uh, we released a feature just recently called Risk Network, which allows us to take that information from artifacts and from public sources and allows customers to map their entire ecosystem. Um, we connect that also with our, our public risk notice feature. So you can essentially monitor that entire network. Um, and so that's another AI-based feature that we're, we're really, really excited about and our customers are excited about too. Excellent. So, Brian, I got to flip the question on you as well. How have you seen AI work in security? Like, what have been the successes or even the experiences that you've had? At least from what I've seen, like, um, you know, using the Visual Trust platform, um, you know, just being able to upload a document and, and in minutes see that all the controls are appearing you know, mm. and being validated is really impressive. Whereas, you know, I would have to read it. It could take me hours, you know, just kind of to sift through all the information and go through the checklist. Like, is this vendor doing this? You know, do they meet this control and that? So um, that's where I've been impressed with. I have to jump in for a moment with the word from our sponsor, Visotrust. Many companies have 100% of their technology stack built by third parties. Are you feeling frustrated by the long and cumbersome third-party risk process? You're not alone. Visotrust has created a platform that provides complete visibility into your third-party network, identifying and reducing risks in real time. Companies like Instacart, Gusto, and Upwork have seen 90% less manual work and an 80% reduction in assessment time using the Visotrust platform. Join the revolution with Visotrust and see the platform in action by visiting visotrust.com forward slash Hacker Valley. Thank you, Visotrust, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's jump back into it. One of the things that I think about all the time, whether you're talking about vulnerability management, talking about third party, is that when something big happens, first you're like, oh crap, is this in our system? Or is this in our environment? Right. Let's say everything goes well, right? Everyone is onboarded great. 
you get all your information, but then there is a problem. What does that look like from your standpoint once you figure out that there's some there is a problem and it is in your environment? Yeah, so that you know speaks directly to our our public risk nodes feature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where we're essentially monitoring public sources for third-party breaches as well as high-profile security incidents, things mm-hmm. like like the Log4j incidents right. or, or the Okta breach, the LastPass breach, or the Go, Go Anywhere breach, right? Um, and informing companies and customers not only about their third parties, but their fourth and nth parties, mm-hmm. right? That could be related to those companies. And there's an important prerequisite. I mean, that's really exciting. What I just described is really exciting. You can prioritize your relationships. You can you can look at who you need to take a second look at, right? What action you might need to take. But there's an important prerequisite there, which is actually having a full inventory of your third parties. Mm-hmm. Most companies, they don't have the, the labor resources because this has been such a traditionally labor-intensive activity yep. that they, they don't have a full awareness. They don't have coverage of their third-party population. They don't have a central place where they can, they can search and see you know, which companies am I doing business with and how am I doing business with them. These are some of the things that we, you know, that we deliver to our customers, but it's that awareness that's so important that allows you to take advantage of these much needed um, return on risk or return on investment sort of features yeah. um, that you just couldn't do if you didn't really know what was going on. You didn't have that complete visibility. So you gave an example of one of your customers having a lot of success, getting some time back, freeing up some people's times as well. What's next after that? Like, how do they re-engage you, your team? Like, how do they go from excellent to even better? Is there like a maintenance piece to it or how does that work? Yeah, so there are aspects of automation on the platform that, you know, when you assess a vendor, if you decide to do business with them, that's just the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? What happens then? And so you need to monitor your vendors. Right, and and our platform has a number of features that allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, broadly, we call they, they kind of fall into two buckets. There's the public risk notice features, which I, I mentioned already. Um, you know, monitoring public sources, etc., for breaches and high-profile security incidents. But then there's something else that we call lifecycle automation. Lifecycle automation allows you to automate remediation, repeated assessment. Most companies want to assess their third parties like on an annual basis. Um, if there's stuff to fix. Maybe they want to do that on a quarterly basis or more frequently. So with the recertification features, we can we allow folks to kind of put that on autopilot, mm-hmm. where they no longer have to kind of like track that on calendars. And it's going to automatically reach out to the business owner and say like, hey, is the relationship changed? Are you still doing business? Right. Mm-hmm. Open up that line of communication and then, and then reassess the third party. It also does things in between where it monitors those artifacts that we talked about collecting um, and continually keeps those up to date as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... A great point, you know, the assessment is really just the beginning if you're actively Mm -hmm. doing business. It takes a a lot to give you that. It's continuous. Mm -hmm. It's always continuous improvement. Yep. 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 So continuous automated due diligence. Yep. That's it. Brian, I got to ask you, I'm curious about your process when it comes to building those relationships because any team, the lifeblood of any team is trust. Right. You have to build that trust. Sometimes you have to trust, but verify. Sometimes it's just going into the trenches and doing things together. Even if someone makes a mistake, it's realigning that trust, getting back into alignment when it comes to values, when it comes to communication and transparency. What are some of your tenants for analyzing a relationship and saying, okay, I'm willing to accept them coming into my environment and do business together? I think it comes down to just, you know, just making sure that the vendors are doing their due diligence to protect themselves. Like uh, things that we look out for are, um, you know, making sure that they have, 
you know, a third party audit like a SOC 2, right? Mm -hmm. They go through ISO certification, um, you know, just providing those documents and just being very open and disclosing that information to us so that we can see it and just being having that trusting relationship with them. Great. So what, what kind of uh, challenges are you like facing next, Brian, um, now that you've worked and established some automation, some AI from Viso Trust? What are some of your next challenges? Just continuously monitoring the vendors, like mm -hmm. just, um, you know, like like Paul mentioned, the recertification that happens every year, right? As long as that contact is the same contact next year, you know, the automation can continue, right? There's. I know there's some steps involved. If that person's you know left the company, you know, uh, well they'll follow up and say, hey, we need to reach out to somebody else. Yeah. Um, but you know, just being able to, you know, as a single uh, single person on the team, you know, just having all the automation there, you know, yeah. just you know not having to worry about it. I can go do other things and then revisit, but in a year's time. It's a great point. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things we're focused on is taking experts like Brian out of the business of like emailing and saying, oh, they, they filled in this question, but they didn't fill in that one. Mm -hmm. Hey, emailing again, getting their attention again, getting them to fill it out, right. answering yeah. you know, back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, experts like Brian, you don't want to, to hire those sorts of experts and, and then have them do busy work like that, mm -hmm. right? right? Yeah. Um, and so to Brian's point, freeing them up for those higher value activities, right? For meeting with the business owner, helping to inform better business decisions, you know, making strategy decisions with leaders about how to really move the needle on risk, right? Mm -hmm. And while taking advantage of third parties, right? While, while innovating. Um, yep. and, uh, and so that's what, you know, our, our focus is to free folks up, you know, so that folks like Brian can work with their teams to innovate. Let's dive uh, just a bit deeper into that because I mean, you look around in the world today, we have, this economic situation that everyone's dealing with. So everyone's having to do more with less. Yeah. Are you able to quantify, whether it's through automation, whether it's your tool, whatever it is, the savings that comes into having something that's automated to enable folks to do more? Yeah, really good point. So there's a few key ways that we measure our success on the platform, right? Obviously the most important is the quality results and the folks that the fact that folks are able to make important decisions based on it, right? The second thing is essentially giving you that coverage of the of your entire population. So our, our current rate, which includes response from third parties as well as completion rate on assessments is 98.4%. So that's pretty close to 100% coverage, right? Yep. Really no other way to do that. Um, the second thing is reducing the amount of time that folks have to spend. We typically see that reduced by more than 90%. Prior to using our platform, both chasing vendors and then doing manual analysis of, of questionnaires and artifacts. Brian mentioned you know, reading SOC reports, right? Which can take you hours, right? There's 200 page plus reports, right? Freeing folks up from that work, we typically see more than a 90% optimization there um, in mm -hmm. terms of the time spent. Um, and then the last thing, um, which is a nuance that folks don't always think about, um, but we mentioned a little bit earlier that the, the issue with time, right? The timing of when you give your results is really important. Right. Mm -hmm. You give them too late, you can't make different decisions. So we typically see that time to assess reduced by uh, more than 80%. Mm. Um, so there's a number of different ways that that kind of value is derived and that we show ROI. And that it's essentially those three buckets. Yeah. One of the things that me and Chris always argue about is can you get to 100%? So that's my question for you, Paul, mm -hmm. is, is there a way to, for organizations to go from 80 to 100% in automation? You know, I think... I'm going to say no. The reason I'm going to say no <laughs> yeah, is because the closer you get, 
you find other things that you want to do. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the power of it, right? Yes. We talked about, you know, Brian, others like Brian getting to, getting to innovate, right? So we're all going to find more value to provide mm-hmm. and um, it just ups the bar, yeah. right? And that's what we're focused on doing, on allowing, you know, great companies like Headspace and, 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 and uh, great experts like Brian continue to raise the bar. That's what we're focused on doing. Yeah, awesome. helping our customers innovate. Perfect. There are a lot of companies out there that use fear, uncertainty, and doubt to sell their stuff. But obviously with the, something like this, there's a bit of optimism. There's a way out. There's a, a light at the end of that tunnel. I love to hear from both of you, for anyone out there that's listening, that's constantly afraid of that third party risk, really just making their day go south. Uh, let's start with you. What is that one piece of wisdom that can make everyone feel a little bit better about dealing with third parties? Just being able to trust your partners, right? Like I mentioned earlier, just um, you know, just disclosing, you know, if there's any issues, like reading those reports and just understanding if everything is all right or if there's been any significant changes that might have impact the business, impact our business. Um, and the bottom line, if it comes down to impacting our members and the data that we protect, then you know, it, and that's how we move forward. I'm just gonna say there is a, be- a better way. There is there's help available, and you can you can have your cake and eat it too with third parties, right? Yeah. You can innovate. You can buy great new solutions. You can drive your company forward while controlling risk, um, and we're here to help you do that. Yeah, do what awesome. we can, and also if we're doing a good at it, have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> Paul, Brian, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Thank you so uh, much for having us. Big shout out to Visa yeah. Trust for being a great partner of Hacker Valley Studio. If you want to stay in touch with Brian or Paul, check out the show notes. And with that, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Thanks folks. You.